Welcome to another edition of Baseball and Beyonds, presented by Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis. Unfortunately, not in Edwardsville, Illinois, where our next guest joins us from. One of my all-time favorites. I say that every time. I mean it this time. It's Jason Isringhausen. Hello, Izzy. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, this is great. Boy, I've been trying to track you down for so long. You live right across the river, and I finally catch you on this wonderful, beautiful winter day in uh, St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, you have been tracking me down for a while. It's just, uh, it's hard to get, uh, you know, schedules together and stuff. But today is a nice, easy day. No chasing kids all day. And um, and here we are. So let's see what you got to say. Well, um, let's start. I know we've talked, uh, me and you have talked about this a little bit. But uh, once again, the Cardinal Hall of Fame ballot comes out. And I know um, just uh, by knowing you that that is, it's kind of a big honor for you to, to be on that ballot and uh, the ballot, you've been on it a few times now, but, uh, you know, when you're the all-time leader in saves for an organization, that, that seems like a pretty good reason to be in. So uh, just give me your thoughts every time you see that ballot and know that you're on it, and then, uh, you know, what what an honor it would be to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it would be an honor. I mean, it's especially one thing for being, you know, I, I consider St. Louis my hometown. I grew up in Brighton, Illinois, so 40 minutes from the stadium or so, and, uh it's just uh, it was a, a dream come true getting to play for the Cardinals and uh, having some success there. We won some ball games, we won some pennants, won a World Series, and um, to be part of all that and to be listed on that ballot, just to be in the same sentence as some of the guys that had the red coats and some of the guys that are on the ballot this year. It's uh, it's pretty humbling, you know, coming from a small town, being a small town kid, small high school and things. Uh, never really recruited, um, not a high draft pick had to work for it in the minor leagues and um you know i always tell myself and i tell my kids you know nothing's going to be given to us we got to earn it and um you know i'm proud to be on the ballot but then again it's it's very humbling and the same thing something i never thought would happen that's a very good point you made and i you just sort of made me realize that although it's obvious that those teams were great oh two you show up oh three didn't make the playoffs but obviously oh four is great oh five is great oh six obviously we know that you guys won a world series um and you're the closer the whole time. I and mean, when you look back at the just the last five years, the Cardinals, I think, have used five different closers to get to where they wanted to go. And in the last two years, they haven't even been there. So I think that's a big that's a big deal. Just tell me a little bit about when you made that free agent signing, and then you know you get to come home, and, and then and then have all that success, and then be a big part of that. You know, I, I always when I make, when I mention those teams, I always go you know Roland, Poolholz, and Edmonds, Carp, Soup. Izzy, I mean, you're part of that giant, great run of, of games. And as we look back and as we get further away from it, we, we all know it's probably never or it's a, a long time away again, I, I would say, from seeing that kind of talent all on one team. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have the MV3, you know, Bujols, Roland and Edmonds all on the same team, you know, and they have the kind of years that they did, uh, it's hard to duplicate that. And um, But we also had... Uh, wins and uh, we did out slug some people but we did out pitch some people um it was just a between st louis and texas because both of my sisters lived down in texas so it would have been nice to go down there and play in front of family too and um i probably would have bought a house down there and just stayed down there because i love texas but um i had left the house that morning i told Lori, my wife i said hey we're signing with texas it was okay perfect and I leave the house and I go golfing with a friend of mine and uh, Mr. DeWitt calls me on the phone 
And he said, hey, what's it going to cost? What's it going to take to get you to St. Louis? And I just, you know, blurted out something. And he goes, okay, done. And I was like, man, I should have asked for more. But <laughs> at, the, at the time, you know, I just blurted out something and it would just like go away. And he goes, okay, done. And I was like, oh, boy. And then I come home and I'd already told my family and friends that I was signing with Texas. I was going to be a ranger. And I came home and said, hey, change the plans. We're going to sign with St. Louis. And it was just uh, everybody was very happy. Um, and it, it was a dream come true to come home, play for my home team. Uh, there was a lot of saying no at the beginning for tickets and stuff like that. And that was probably the hardest part, but, uh, you know, but then again, it's also hard, like towards the end of my tenure here, things went, didn't go so good and we were getting booed and things like that, but that's, that's part of baseball. And it was hard on my family. Uh, I had a lot of friends taken up for me in the stands and things like that, but in the long run, if I could do it all over again, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. And I uh, just enjoyed my time here. And, and um, you know, I'm still working for the Cardinals, so it's been a pretty good relationship. Yeah, and I, I don't – I just don't know how, how it had to feel to be booed after all the things that you've done. And it's just sort of the thing about being a fan, I guess. I guess people just want – I think closers just get – I'm going to say shit on. I think you guys get shit on way more than you should. You go out and save 40 of 40 games, and then the next two are bad, and then, bam, here come the boos. Uh, you did have rough 06, and you were pitching through so many injuries, but what does it mean when you know that you had to walk off the mound and, and get booed in your hometown after all those good years? And You mentioned it. It, was, it wasn't fun. How did you get through all that? Well, I don't think it's fun for anybody to get uh, booed. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for booing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but there. I mean, it's it's part of baseball. It's part of sports, and it's uh, part of being a closer. You're either the hero or the goat. There's no uh, in between. Uh, Bruce Sutter once told me. I mean, you're the only guy that comes to the ballpark knowing if you have a bad day, the team's going to have a bad day. And uh, and it kind of put things in perspective for me. And I kind of put myself. I put more pressure on myself than anybody did. There was nobody harder on me than myself. Well, maybe Dad. Dad would always give me a. a uh, good rousing if I did bad because uh, he said he had to hear it at the cafe the next morning. <laughs> um, it was just part of it, you know. I, I don't I don't regret it. I don't. I'm not angry at people. You know, it's it's the nature of the beast. It's what have you done for me lately? And I think that's any kind of sports better. And as a fan, you pay your money to go there, and it's your right to boo or cheer or whatever you want. Um, you know, it, it it hurt at times, like I said, but. You know, I also know that, you know, if anybody could do it, everybody would be doing it. You mentioned that the Cardinals called in 02 and you were like, oh, I didn't, I should have asked for more money. And I, I always love doing this. I hate, you know, I get to look up people's salaries. What does it mean to have that much money, Izzy? I mean, you, you did make, <laughs> you made a lot of money. <laughs> uh, it's good for my kids, put it that way. I mean, um I try not to spoil them too much, but they really don't do without. And um, but you know, and I've been able to to help out my parents and my sisters and my sister-in-laws and my whole family. It's been um, it's been a blessing. I've been able to help out a lot of organizations along the way, and uh, I hope I'm not done doing that. You know, uh, I try to give to as much charity as I can. Um, have a you know. Cardinals fantasy camp every year and we're and we're down there and it's for mercy and I try to give some money to mercy because of what they do for sick sick children they don't ever weigh a sick child and but somebody's got to pay for it don't just come out of thin air and uh you know I like being a part of things that raise money for people and and animals and the 
you know, humane society and things like that. I, I try to do my part, but then again, you know, I don't try to blast it over the airwaves and tell everybody what I do. It's just, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be able to make some decent money, and I try to give back any way I can. How about the Brad Strobinger Fund? I don't, I don't think I've heard uh, you talk about that, but uh, do you have a wedding coming up? Is there, you know, maybe a $10,000 check to cover the wedding? Well, you have been in uh, Florida for the last week and a half, so I think you're doing pretty well. You've been seeing all these posts on Instagram, so I think you're doing okay. I think we both have decided at one point we may be neighbors down there because I need to get out of it. I can't handle this looking at the uh, gray skies here. Um, so I just want to kind of run through a few guys that uh, obviously you got to play with. I always I love a good Steve Klein story, um, and you guys were definitely thick as Steve's. He called you dumb dumb, or you called him dumb dumb. I can't remember. You were dumb. Who was dumb dumb? You. Right, I was dumb dumb. Right, he was nuts. Yeah. Right, just a nut. I mean, have you ever met anybody like him? And you have a great Steve, uh, one or two good Steve Klein stories. He's not invited back to fantasy camp anymore. That's a great story. I don't know if we can tell that, but um, he, he's just a crazy guy. He was crazy then, and he's he's still crazy now. Right? Yeah, I never. When I first met him, I didn't think it was possible for somebody to act that way, but. Um, <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not no, uh, you know, choir boy myself. And then coming to meet Steve Klein, I mean, there's, um, there's a gross way to act, and then there's a Steve Klein way to act. And um, it was, it's raunchy, it's good comedy, it's all in good fun. He's got a heart as big as gold. But if you don't know him, you would think there was something seriously wrong with him. And I mean, everybody's got stories. I mean, we've seen the stories of him flipping off. You know, Tony on camera and all these things, you know, from the bullpen when you got uh, the so-called dry hump, get him up and then don't put him in the game. And um, him wrestling with uh, one of the owners in the clubhouse naked, wrestling with Mr. Pratt. And uh, there's a lot of nakedness. <laughs> it's a head first slides in the shower, banging his head against the wall and things like that. It's a. I could go on and on, but, you know, we're trying to keep it clean for the most part here. But it's uh, it was a blast playing with him. And this man would take the ball no matter what was going on. The man pitched with gout. The guy pitched with uh, a bad body, a bad elbow and things. And just uh, always got the job done. And it was a pleasure having him on my team. It's, it was kind of like uh, I, I, I can't really explain how to describe him as just he was a great Gross teammate, put it that way. Uh, David Pratt, was he uh, up for this? Oh, no, 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 no. He didn't like it, but he knew to keep his distance from Kleiner because if Kleiner was naked in the clubhouse, he was going to get tackled. And uh, uh, it was fun to watch, but I don't think Mr. Pratt really enjoyed it. But he would laugh the whole time. So, I mean, that's a billionaire getting uh, molested by a, uh, a naked guy in the clubhouse. I mean, it was good, clean fun, but I don't think that would fly today. I think, and I think it should fly today. I think that that's what's missing from the game. It's, uh, I mean, I don't want to be around it, but it sounds fun as hell. I want to know where you were the night. So he does flip off Tony, and then later, I guess Tony confronts him in the shower. Were you around to see any of that? And can you give us a little play by play of that? No, I was not around. Um, I was in the dug, or I was in the bullpen at the time, and he did it. I mean, he like threw his glove and gave him the double bird, and I was like. There's that's going to be on tape somewhere. I know somebody had to have gotten that somewhere, and uh, it kind of went on the away side. And all of a sudden, after the game, we were and then Tony came into the shower looking for him, and he wasn't in there, but he did find him finally. And 
in front of him. I don't think it went real well for Steve, but uh, I'm sure Steve was still pitching the next night. But, yeah, Tony wasn't real happy with him. So Tony could fight, right? Is that Tell me about Tony. Did you, I, obviously, <laughs> Hall of Fame manager, but uh, an odd guy. But just a, a, I still think he's a genius. I, think, I mean, he thinks of everything. Uh, as a player, I don't know how it was, uh, if it was as fun, but it seemed like, hey, ninth inning, you're in, right? I mean, tell me a little, give me something on Tony that uh, maybe we don't know. No, 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 I loved, it, it's probably, well, I mean, the guy kind of revolutionized, so to speak, you know, the closer role, I mean, um, and the way to run a bullpen. Um, there was nothing going to be, nothing was going to sneak by Tony. I mean, I think one of his biggest, one of, I'm not going to say his biggest, but probably one of his faults was that he, he, he thought too far ahead in the game. And sometimes the, the the moment got away from him. Like, you know, we would, like, why is our lefty not getting warmed up for this guy? But he was, you know, thinking too far ahead. And uh, Tony was a genius, like you say, but Tony is very competitive, had a uh, had a quick um, quick temper to him. Uh, we've all seen it. I've seen it. We've argued. And, uh, you know, after the game, we, you know, a bad game or something, and we would both go out and have our uh, adult beverages in separate locations. We'd end up seeing each other in the hotel lobby and have a nice little argument. The next day, you know, there'd be some chest poking and things like that. And the next day, he said, we good? And I'd say, yep. And then it was just like normal business. And, um, you know, we, I think he, I mean, I think he was loyal to me to a fault at times, throwing me out there when I was hurt. But uh, there was no way I was ever going to say no if he wanted me out there. I mean, that was my job and it was my, you know, duty to go out there whenever I was called on. Feels like, I mean, I'm not around that team as much as I was your teams, but I did see a lot of you guys kind of always having a good time in the clubhouse, always having a good time outside the clubhouse, and I think the dynamic of the players was part of that. Um, do you think that we've lost even that, even just 10 years down the line, where it's everybody's on their phone, they're playing? I mean, right now these guys play video games in the locker room at 4 p.m., and they're all sitting at their stalls playing against each other. It's just a weird thing. I know we're both older, so it's not our generation, but it just seems weird. Um, I mean, do you think that's – am I seeing that right? Well, and you are, but it just changes with the times. You know, we used to sit around and have beers and stuff after the game, and now there's no beer in the clubhouses because of accidents that people have had, you know, after games and stuff like that, and the alcohol around the team and things have just kind of gone away. But why – who doesn't own the team anymore so it's not there every single day and um social media has a big part to do with a lot of this stuff um it's it's just um you know technology has changed the game more ways than one you know analytics to all the way down to how much the guys converse in the clubhouse i mean it's not sitting around having beers icing your arm talking about the game anymore i mean i think i don't know but from what i've heard is like five minutes after game i mean everybody's gone if you're not one of the first reporters to get in there to interview people, they're out of there. And um, I just don't understand that. But, you know, that's the way it is today. And it's just something that I don't I don't like it. But, you know, I'm not in that generation. I guess the millennials uh, have their own way of doing things, so to speak. Yeah, you were Generation K. <laughs> oh, yeah. K for um, kicked around, maybe. I don't know. We uh, All three of us kind of blew out. You know, I had a long career, but it was it was part of it. But like I said, I wouldn't change anything the way things happen. I would have loved to have stayed healthier so I could have pitched more the way I wanted to pitch. But, you know, you can't stop 
you know, you can't stop getting old, so that's just part of it. I was just trying to make a little funny joke there. You were. You know, I heard you. Okay. Uh, I, I will. Talk, I do kind of want to ask you about that, but '06, I think uh, a lot of people remember um, just the way it ended. But how? Just when did the injuries kind of start for you? Because it. And, and the other thing I, I I was always curious about was that you still went out and and wanted to to take the ball. Um, I think I remember a series in New York where it was just it just seemed painful to watch. I, I mean, just watching you. Where, where where did the injury start in 06, and how did you realize, all right, I just got to – I can't pitch anymore? And talk about just not wanting to give up the ball either, just because maybe, you know, who else – I mean, finally Wainwright comes up and puts his hand up and says, you know, I'll do it, but just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was um, – I guess – I mean, I started off that year really strong, and then um, I think gradually it was my hip. I had a uh, – just a bad hip. I've had a couple surgeries on the hip now. Um, I haven't had it replaced yet. Just had my knee replaced, and now uh, the hip's probably next to be replaced. But it was just one of those ongoing. I could not. I mean, as as if you're talking about mechanics, I couldn't get over my front leg. So as soon as my leg would land, like the hip would give out, so my whole body would kind of drop. And if you know mechanics, you have to get over your front leg to be able to finish pitches down the way. This, that, blah, blah, blah. That's boring stuff. But you know, it would be that. Typical, I don't know about typical, but, you know, fifth inning, if the game was close, I would have to uh, get some medicine and uh, get ready to pitch. And, you know, it was just a, an ongoing process, and it just started to get worse and worse and worse, and the medicine wasn't helping. And um, September 9th, I believe it was, um, in Washington at the old uh, old stadium, RFK Stadium, and uh, I blew a game, Jose Vidro hit a ball down the line off of me. I can remember everything came in that night. I told Tony, I said, Hey, I appreciate everything that you've done for me and how loyal you are to me, but I, I'm not helping the team anymore. So, uh, I'm taking myself out and, um, I'll probably, you know, I had surgery a couple days later and then they bounced around through closers. And, um, I think we had a nine game or eight game lead at that time. And I think we ended up winning by maybe one game. And, um, you know, Wayno was, uh, I think he was the last guy on the twister wheel that name landed on. And, uh, you know, he had his moments too where he, I think he blew a couple games, but then again, he, you know, he probably had the best stuff of the bunch. And, um, you know, I think at that point he was one of those guys that was fresh behind the ears, too dumb to really know what was going on. And, um, you know, the rest of his history, the big curveball strikeout Beltron, and then, uh, you know, got the final out of the 06 World Series. I mean, it's just one of those things where if he wasn't such a good kid, I'd hate him for life because that was supposed to be my moment to shine. But, you know, it's just uh, I could have done what other guys have done, you know, packed up my stuff and went home and not been around the team, but I stayed with the team and uh, worked with the young kids, and we got through the World Series and the playoffs with Kenny and Flo and Tyler Johnson and Wayno and uh, I think I was more nervous watching them than ever playing because I felt like, you know, and that was uh, that was probably the first time I realized, I'm like, damn, I kind of like this coaching thing. I might want to get into this later. And, you know, I've been doing that now for four or five years with the Cardinals. So it's it's worked out, and I'm enjoying my job now being the minor league pitching instructor and stuff like that. But, um, you know, 06 was rough. I've still never put my ring on my finger because I didn't pitch in the World Series, but it's in a safe, nice and – Nice and cozy with some other rings that I acquired throughout the years. And uh, other than that, I mean, and the rest is history. I mean, I, I'm the one that gave Wayno the shot in Alicante. 
I I think, you know, I'm not obviously I didn't play on that team, but I'm a huge fan of the team and I always feel like the 06 World Series win, you guys still had all the pieces basically from 04 and 05 and it was kind of the culmination of that 3-year run. And so if and obviously I can't speak for you, but I would look at it as, man, I helped out in 04. I got us to a World Series in 04. I I did everything I could do in 05 and and I did everything I could do in 06 and it's it's more of a 3-year run and maybe, you know, if if you go back and make those rings again, you could, you know, go 04 to 06 because it it really was it's the same guys. It's Pujols and Edmonds and Roland and you had Eckstein in 05, but it really was Carpenter and and Soup and Marquis uh, you know, just all those guys came around in 04 and uh, it felt like a three year run. So I'm going to say you can wear the ring. That's what I'm saying here. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think we had a better team in 04, but we ran to a buzzsaw against Boston coming off that down, you know, 3 0 to the Yankees. And once they got hot, there was no stopping them. Um, but, you know, we squeaked in in 06 and then we ended up coming out of it with a win. Um, you know, if Detroit could throw to the bases, we probably we might have lost that series. But you know, God willing, we pulled it out and got a nice championship and a ring and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, those years in St. Louis were just amazing. It's uh, I probably had more fun in Oakland than I've ever had in my life as a baseball player. You know, with the group of young kids that were there, uh, but. Uh, talent and things like that and the way that we gelled as a team with st louis i mean that stuff it doesn't happen every day and we were we did it for five or six years in a row and it was unreal uh it was a run that you know i think can be put up there with the braves i know it i know it wasn't for 11 years like the braves but um those years in the mid 2000s with the cardinals was pretty special I loved it myself. Um, so I, we were talking a little bit about your free agency, and I would just—I'm just curious. When you talked about it, I didn't even think about asking you this, but what would you be feeling like, and what do you think some of these guys are? I mean, these are big names: Lance Lynn, Jake Arrieta, you Darvish. I mean, the names can go on and on and on. There's a giant free agent class that hasn't signed yet. What do you think these players are thinking, or what would you be thinking at this point if it's February, spring training starts in two weeks? And you don't have a contract, and it seems like there's something very odd going on. And, and, and how scared would you be? Well, you got to realize. I mean, I don't think these guys are scared because they've got money in their pockets. That's I mean, a good point. <laughs> yeah, but in that same sentence, I'm sure there's some guys that are pretty pissed so that you know they've waited their whole career to become free agents, and all of a sudden, now all of a sudden the owners are going to try to drive prices down. I, I'm not going to say it's collusion or anything like that, but. Uh, I think that gentleman, uh, they got Brandon Moss. I think he said it best. I mean, this was this is the the monster that the players created in the last uh, collective bargaining agreement. I mean, the owners are doing what there's, you know, what they can do. You know, nobody wants to lose draft picks, you know, for free agents and things like that. And this is what the players agreed to. And and um, you know, they should have known what was going to happen down the road, and it's happening now. And some guys are paying the price. I don't feel sorry for those big names that you just said because they're probably all were making $15 million last year or so. I think it's those uh, middle-of-the-line guys that are, you know, that have struggled for – not struggled, but as, you know, major league average salaries go, you know, they've been right around the average or below it, and then they become a free agent thinking they're going to get their big payday, and there's no paydays out there. So those guys are probably – really struggling a little bit and and frantically you know 
panicking a little, little bit, but I think the I think things are going to start happening here pretty soon. They pretty much have to. There's a lot of teams that need a lot of stuff, and there's guys out there. But I think once one guy signs, I think it'll be a domino effect, and it's going to happen quick. And I think it's going to happen before spring training, during spring training, during the first month of the season. These guys are going to get signed. It's just going to be a whirlwind of signings really quick when it starts. couple more minutes, sir. I want to ask you about Generation K. We uh, we did start with that. I was just curious, just when you uh, you three, it was uh, you, Wilson, and Pulsifer, uh, three guys kind of uh, in front of, I think you're on an SI cover. Uh, what was the pressure like? Uh, this is, what, 1994-95, everyone's talking about, well, these three guys are like the uh, the 86 Mets, Sid Fernandez, Doc Gooden, you know, you got all these comparisons. What was the pressure like? And by the way, you did have a pretty good rookie season, 9-2, and two, I think, in 14 games started, 281 ERA, you debut at Wrigley. I have all that information. What was the pressure like, though? Um, just with all that hype, you're in New York, and and just it's it's a ton of hype. I did, and like I just said about like Wayno. I mean, I, we well, at least I was. I was too dumb to even know what was going on. I'm like, oh great, I'm on I'm on billboards in Times Square. I'm on the sports. So I was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. I guess I didn't I didn't know anything different. Um, I just went out there and had fun. I mean, I think I got caught up in it at times, thinking that this I'm like this game's easy, and then all of a sudden I got humbled really quick. My my second year, I had a little shoulder problem and had to drop my arm angle and couldn't throw my curveball for a strike, didn't have a changeup, and uh, my command of my fastball, which has always been my bread and butter, had kind of gone away because I had to drop my arm angle because of a labrum tear. And um, it was, I didn't feel the pressure. I don't know if the other guys did. It was just, we were just having fun. And then, but then we all got hurt and we all had Tommy John and, and we, Everybody had their own careers. Mine lasted the longest. And, um, but I mean, those are the years that was going on. I mean, our rookie years in New York was like a whirlwind. We had the world by the tail and just kind of trying to hang on. And, uh, you know, I pitched well and just kept the ride going. And then the next year, it's funny how that ride stops when you're not even good. And, um, <laughs> you learned out real quick that you better pitch well. I mean, you know, they compared us to the 86 guys. Now they're comparing these guys in New York now to kind of, us because they're kind of fizzled out a little bit and um new york's a scary place new york can chew you up and spit you out and um it's uh it's it was very humbling and it chewed me up and spit me out and it spit me out to oakland which is probably the best thing that ever happened to me what if i could do it all over again i guess i could say this i would have loved to have been able to play my whole year in new york that would have been awesome because i love new york and i love the people there and you want to talk about getting booed new york's a different animal about getting booed and um but i loved it and um, I love everything about New York, uh, but like I said, New York, uh, St. Louis was my home, and to be able to pitch here was very special to me. But Generation K, it was fun while it lasted, and um, you know we still get comparisons to other young kids coming up. And I have uh, reporters call me, and you know if you could give these guys one piece of advice, what would it be? You know, and it was always just stay humble, don't get too high, don't get too low. Uh, it's still baseball between the lines, and just. Uh, Stay healthy. That's the only thing I can tell people. I think also the the last one of the last things I want to ask you about before we kind of wrap up. You get to you get to pitch in 2012, which is so crazy. You think about how long you did last. I mean, you really just you know you'd hear oh Izzy's trying to make a comeback, and well there he is with the Mets in 2011. Then there you are with the Angels in 2012. I mean, what did it mean to you to get back out there and, and get those numbers that you wanted to achieve, and then uh, and just show that you still had a little left in the tank. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite 
that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of, you know, uh, is um, I started off that last year in St. Louis really well. I mean, it was just, I think I started the year with, I don't know, I needed 17 saves, I think, to get to 300 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But we started off strong. It was just bing, bing, boom, 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 and everything was going good. And I was like, oh, I'm on the verge of getting this. I'm going to get it at home and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be awesome. And then the elbows started hurting. And um, I got taken out of the close the role i think franklin got put in the role and then um it was pretty much my, i knew my time here was done I, I would have loved to have gone and had the surgery and been done and came back and pitched for the cardinals but so i was i was, at, I was sitting at d3 and um i went home and i tried to bounce around a little bit and i got back with uh well actually i bounced around went to the minor leagues with the reds with walt jockety was the gm there he signed me and uh, I had a little procedure done, so I thought I was going to come back from that. And that didn't really work out. The elbow wasn't reacting well. And then um, went to Tampa, signed there. Uh, actually got to the big leagues, pitched nine games, and my elbow snapped on one pitch. The, uh, the ball went halfway up the screen, and uh, I just thought, you know, that was it. I'm going to be three or nine games, seven games short of 300, which was a goal of mine. I mean, granted, it's not the loftiest goal anymore with guys with 600, 500, 400 saves, but for me, I was going to be happy with it. And so then I had the old uh, joking around. I was going to have the boat that said seven shy on the back and all that kind of stuff. And I had another Tommy John and was sitting home just messing around and then I started playing some uh, softball. And I was I didn't rehab my elbow or anything. I was like, damn, my arm. My arm was feeling pretty good. I was throwing the ball from the outfield fence all the way to home plate, you know, 300 feet. And so I called up J.P. Ricciardi, who was an assistant GM with Oakland way back when. I said, hey, I think i got a little bit left in the tank. Can I come down to Florida for a tryout? And at that time, the Mets weren't doing real well, didn't have a lot of pitching. And he said, sure. So I went down and threw a, a little bullpen for him. And he said, you know what, we can sign you to a minor league contract if you're willing to do that and see where it goes. And uh, I pitched in the spring training, pitched well. They had some guys that, you know, were out of options and things like that. So he asked me if I would stay back in spring training for a few weeks to see what would happen. So stayed back and extended spring training, got some more arm strength. And um, they sent a guy down or released a guy, and they called me up three weeks into the season. And I pitched the rest of the year without a – didn't go on the DL for anything. Um, okay, uh, Francisco Rodriguez was the closer there, K-Rod and uh we were going nowhere and he got traded and i remember terry collins was the manager and dan warthen was the pitch coach and they both come up to me and like, it was like a week or two before the trading deadline and they were talking about everybody was talking about me getting traded because i was you know i was doing okay and if somebody needed a, uh, a veteran reliever to help stabilize a bullpen or something like that you know just to help them talk to them and i told uh, sandy alderson i said hey uh I'm getting told for this. I said, I, I really don't want to be traded if, if I don't have to be. And he said he wouldn't trade me. And then the manager and the pitcher said, hey, we're going to trade K-Rod. So we're, you're going to get your chance to get your 300 save here. And uh, I ended up getting seven more saves that year in New York. I got my 300 in San Diego. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of fulfilling because I got my very first save in New York back in 1999. I got a three-inning uh, mop-up save. And I remember John Franco saying, hey, just think, you know, 400 more and we'll be tied or something like that. <laughs> and uh, went on to uh, start closing games. I got traded to, um, I mean, after in 2011. So I finished the season in New York 
And I thought I was done and uh, sitting at home and my agent called and said, hey, the Angels are willing to sign you for, you know, it wasn't no big amount of money. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot because I had some young kids that were coming up and they wanted me to help them with stuff and uh, ended up pitching that whole year without uh, going on the DL. I think I was the only guy in the bullpen to do it. And um, I had a funny story there because they were going to release me towards the end of the year. And I threw a big fit in Socha's office, slamming stuff, throwing stuff, telling them that it was bull, bull crap that I was going to, they were going to release me when I was the only one that stayed with them the whole year. And they were putting me in, you know, they had a young kid, Ernesto Frieri, that would go in to close games. And if he got in any kind of trouble, they'd bring the old guy in to try to mop it up. And uh, it always went somewhere or some way. It sometimes went bad. And, um, you know, I told him that I was the mop-up guy for him, and they ended up keeping me on. So I was able to end my career striking out Michael Young uh, for my last ever uh, pitching at bat. And uh, so, and then, I, you know, I gave my hat and my glove to a young kid next to the dugout, and um, that was it. And I knew I wasn't going to come back after that. It was taking too long, taking me too long to get ready to throw 20 pitches. So it's been a, it was a heck of a time. Great, great, great time. Wouldn't change anything. And, um I got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and now I'm just trying to, you know, give it to the kids now. I want to ask you about that, but real quick, you were so you were with Albert that year too, and that was his first year away from the cart. That was, that was Albert's first year, yeah. What was that like for him? I mean, did you guys have any conversations? It, it sounded like he wasn't real happy. Yeah, you know, it's it was kind of funny. You know, every off day he we had, we, he always came back to St. Louis, and uh, I called it Air Albert. He always asked me to come back with him, and. uh we had a lot of conversations on those plane rides from uh, L.A. to St. Louis. And, um, you know, you learn a lot about a person. You know, I didn't know a lot of stuff about Albert, but in those conversations, you know, I learned a lot. And um, unbelievable, man, going through a lot out there. His, you know, his age is catching up with him, too, his body. But one of the, well, the absolute best hitter I've ever seen in person for how many years in St. Louis. St. Louis got the, the best years out of him. And, um, you know, he's always going to be an icon in St. Louis. I'm sure one day he'll, well, I know he'll be in the, the Baseball Hall of Fame in St. Louis and in Cooperstown and probably have a statue outside of uh, Bush Stadium one day. And uh, had a lot of fun, you know, spending, you know, listening to him and telling me things, what, how things went on. And he wasn't real happy with things, but uh, true professional. Start, I was thinking too. I, I don't think we've replaced uh, him as a first baseman since then either. It's been it's been a struggle at first base for the Cardinals. So, yeah, it has. It's you know, and you you have those iconic hitters, and you're never going to replace them. That's for sure. But uh, you know, the, the Cardinals are in this. Uh, I don't want to say transition or rebuild, but you know, they're they're trying to find uh, with the new analytical style of doing things. They're trying to find ways to get it done. They're in the hunt every year. You know, and um, you got to figure out a way to get over that hump, whether it be, uh, you know, they made some good trades. They were going to have, I think they still need to, the whole, like Tony used to say, he would build a team from the ninth inning guy backwards. And uh, that's one thing we don't have yet is a lockdown ninth inning guy. And um, you know what? We'll see what Mo and Gersh have up their sleeve. There's going to be some signings, I do believe, coming up, you know, when everything starts rolling again. And I think uh, these guys are the smartest of the smartest. Uh, in our front office with the Cardinals, and uh, they'll figure it out. They're going to get us over the hump for sure. I like to hear that. It's positivity. And, uh, you're, yes, it is. You, uh, so you're going to be – you got a new role, right? This Congratulations. But uh, kind of a, a newer role and uh, kind of a bump, right? So you're going to be well, – tell us about it. What are, you, what are you doing? Well, I'm not really doing anything that I haven't been doing for the last three years. I finally got a title, so it's, I, I'm kind of official now. And 
in the eyes of the baseball world, I didn't have a title before. I was just bouncing around and helping pitchers here and there. And now I am uh, considered a minor league pitching instructor. So now I work with, uh, just work with all the minor league pitching and we go more, we do as much mental stuff as we do uh, mechanical stuff and just trying to get these guys ready to, to go to the next level and, and not be caught off guard or let things get inside their head. Just try to prepare them for what's going to be uh, ahead of them in the next levels. It seems like uh, it's a good crop, right? Hudson, Hicks, I mean, there's just a bunch of guys that they, it seems like they're counting on for the next three to four years to uh, make uh, things go on here up here, right? I mean, the cupboard is not bare in the minor leagues, right? No, I mean, especially with our honor. I think it, we're a little thin, I think, position-wise. But I think pitching-wise, I mean, we got to be, we have some unbelievable arms down there. We have a, a problem our problem is this. We have a lot of really, really good arms, a lot of good throwers, and that's my job and other people's job is to make them into pitchers, and uh, that's what we're doing now. Well, I think it's great. I'm glad, glad you're still around, and this was fun. I, You know, the thing that I always think about with you is I had uh, I had to bug you guys, you know, a few times a year, maybe three, four times a year for the old job that I used to have, and I always thought you were so mean, and you were always mean to me. But I, I, I realized you were you were well, j- if just. You do remember that one fancy camp? I did hit you in the of the line drive, and I was hitting you ground balls at third base. That was uh, that was for all the times where you used to bug me. So now we're even. So now I can be nice. I told that story. I'm I'm at third base, and uh, it's like my first camp, and Izzy's the one hitting. So you know, I got like the dentist over here at shortstop, and he's bouncing. He's like, "Oh, Brad, here, here's one for you." And it was a line drive that actually like took a left turn towards me. Like I couldn't get out of the way, and it hurt, but I didn't show the pain. <laughs> But I always no, thought you did not. You did not rub it or anything. And I told other guys like, I hit that ball. I mean, almost as hard as I could at this kid, and it did the whole tailing. You were trying to go one way, and it tailed right into you. It was like an ugly finder, and it it caught you on the inside of the knee. And I felt bad. I did laugh at you, but I did feel kind of bad. But you're uh, you were tough. You stayed in there. But uh, or even now for all the bugging, and now. Uh, now we're buddies. Yeah, and I didn't know that's why that happened. So that's that's a great story. <laughs> I used because you used to be at spring training. Your locker was like in the hall, like the last locker before a hallway. And so I had to run back and forth. And you're like, "What are you doing? Are you going to wear out the carpet over there?" You just gave me so much. The other thing I remember though that you you would have beers at like 10 a.m. And I was like, "Man, this is that's major league baseball right there." You'd bring in a six pack. We'd do an interview at 10 a.m. You're like, "I got to get out of here. I got a golf to do." I thought that that was my most. My favorite Izzy story is that you'd bring beer into the interview and say, let's go. I got, I got stuff to do. It's 10 a.m. <laughs> well, that's part, that was part of my training, you see. I had to ice <laughs> my body from the inside out. And, uh, you know, when you get out of spring training early on those days, it's time to go to the golf course and have a couple adult beverages and relax and kind of contemplate the year coming forward. And that's, that's, that's how I got my mind right. Yeah, beer, beer is very important in baseball. It's very important, and it, I, I think fantasy campers know it. But uh, I hope you get in the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna. I hope uh, people realize that uh, it's not easy closing out games and, and what you did for so many years. Uh, and just one last time, I mean, just give me your thoughts on being a, a Cardinal Hall of Famer. How much would that uh, kind of seal the end of uh, your story with the Cardinals? Well, I hope it never seals the end of it. I mean, but then again, I mean, it would kind of put my career in perspective to some people, especially myself. And uh, I've got a young daughter who's uh, eight years old who was never really around. She was around a little bit when I played later in my career. But um, 
maybe she always wonders why people come up and ask me for my autograph and things like that. So maybe it would make her realize that I'm a little cooler in, than what she thinks. <laughs> it, it would be nice for that, especially my 15-year-old daughter who thinks I'm the meanest guy, the dictator, and meanest guy in the world. Maybe it would uh, help me out a little bit in her eyes. But, uh, you know, it's it would just be something to be able to be on the on the stage with those guys in the red coats, you know. Fancy camp now. I mean, now I'm buddies with Ozzy and Willie and Whitey and Bruce and and Lou and everybody you can name and the you know Jimmy and Carp. But just to be on the same stage with them and be able to put that red coat on, yeah, it means the world to me. But you know, it, it'll happen sooner or later. I mean, closures don't get the fame you know that everybody else does. You can see that in the in the Major League uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame. There's not many closures in there, and um, I don't get. I don't think they get the respect that that they're due. I mean, everybody thinks it's a, an easy job until you have to do it. I think it's the hardest thing to do in sports, that and a field goal kicker, is to be, get that last out or that last score uh, to ice the game. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully the fans will do some voting. I know my family will be voting once a day for three months, so that's all I can ask for. And, um, you know, if, if, it, when it hap- if it happens and when it happens, hopefully I don't make an ass of myself with my speech and uh, we'll have a good time. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people to vote for Izzy, and then I, I don't know who the second person is. Maybe Roland. I don't know. Maybe get the '06 team in there. But appreciate your time. This was fun, and this is uh, the end of baseball and beyond for today. Presented by Masses Restaurants. You know them. Five locations in St. Louis. Check them out at stlmasses.com. I thank Izzy, and hopefully uh, you'll be checking out more as we continue here through the baseball season. Thanks for listening.